Hello, I'm Ashton. I'm Andrew. We're in a bit of a time crunch today, so we're going to do this intro real quick. Um, follow us on Instagram at Romantic Underpinnings, Twitter at RomUnderPod, and our website is RomanticUnderpinnings.com. Um, if you've been following along, Andrew and I are co-writing a novel. He's writing the parts from the perspective of the woman, and I'm writing the parts from the perspective of the man. This is chapter 25, our... Hero and heroine have landed in Paris, and um, I think that's a bit for right now, right? What's the title of the podcast out of curiosity? The title of the podcast is Romantic Underpinnings. So sorry, I'm assuming 25 apps in, you will have landed in the right place. And they also could have figured it out from the social media stuff, but... Yeah. I feel like you just want to say No, that's it. fair. I'm just like trying to be speedy quick because as a, the aforementioned time crunch. But I don't think there's any other like opening stuff we really need to include, right? That's correct. I will jump in. Great. <clears throat> <clears throat> Let's explore language, romance, and resilience. And welcome to Romantic Underpinnings. What chapter is this? Chapter... 25. Did I already say that? Yes. Oh, fuck. All right. <laughs> Indirectly, sort of, but I'm reading chapter 25 Yay. because Ashton wrote it, and I've never read this before, and I'm excited. It was also written faster than I normally write them, so it might be rife with air roar. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> Anthony watched Agatha saunter down the street toward the red light district. He sent a quick prayer up to whoever was listening that she would make it back to the square safely by nightfall. As soon as he reconciled himself to her plan, he squared his shoulders and swore to himself over his inept crew. Whoops, I need to learn to look at a screen, which is weird because that's what I get paid to do. <laughs> if only he'd had more than two days to gather a crew, perhaps they would have been more competent. But he couldn't go backwards now, and he had a damn cart, mule, and a pack of idiots to locate. I thought it was only one idiot missing, but I didn't really write about the rest of the crew in the last Oh, chapter. I assume they all fobbed off. Nah, I don't think so. Oh, well, they I, did now. Okay, fair enough. They, <laughs> they might have. <laughs> they all just dipped, I thought. Oh. Because then it, it's... Anyway. We can change that. That's not that significant, really. I mean, it's significant. We're going to have to change it in yours. Yeah, no, that's fine. Because <laughs> it's significant for me. Oh, works for me. <laughs> he slowly turned a small circle on the sidewalk, getting a good look at his surroundings and searching for any clues of his inane crew. <laughs> this... What? <laughs> Why is it funny? Inane? <laughs> they're, they're inane. They're stupid. Yeah, usually it means like sort of like dull, though. And his uh... crew is anything but inane in the dull sense. But, I mean... Saying, like, that's an inane comment does mean it's a stupid comment. So there is a usage there. I just was surprised. Yeah, maybe not the best. It wasn't at all inane. <laughs> there, dear ladies and gentlemen and other people who identify as whatever they want, there is a cat's tail in Andrew's face and he's trying to read. And it is very funny because he's too nice to the cat to just, like, push the cat off his lap. There's no reason. I don't to do know that. how you're like not sneezing though. It's like in your nose. <laughs> I just have a new mustache and it is orange and fuzzy. <laughs> anyway, the streets were overcrowded with people, goods, and animals. 
His band of idiots could be six feet in front of him, and he'd never know with this melee. Spelled Miley, M-I-L-E. God damn it. Listen. It's almost... This is what I get for listening to Miley's best hits, like, nonstop for the last week and a half. Oh! So <laughs> she really came in like a wrecking ball into this chapter you wrote. <laughs> I, uh, I wish I didn't... I love... I hate you as far as how much I loved that. All right. Um, I'm sorry to have put you through that. It was rude. He'd have an easier time closing his eyes and listening really hard for English. Frustrated, he ran a hand through his already tussled hair. It came back greasy and oily. Anthony grimaced at himself in disgust. He could use a wash. He slumped off in the direction he had last seen the cart, with barely any hope in his heart that he would be able to find his crew. But at least he might be able to find a bathhouse. Yeah, he will. Okay, listen. I... This is extremely anachronistic because they, the Parisians apparently didn't rediscover the Roman bathhouses that had been there for centuries or however long until like 1848. I don't care. I mean, I still think bathhouses were somewhat. No, I checked. There were no bathhouses? No, everyone was just filthy, which is like actually checks out. Mm hmm. I don't care. Yeah, well, I'm glad that in this book you can go to a bathhouse for multiple reasons. Yeah, apparently reasons. Versailles was, like, disgusting in this time period. Oh, yeah, no indoor plumbing was mm-hmm. the crazy part. Like, there was right. just, like, <clears throat> no toilets in the whole huge palace. Right, and, like, everything was gross. And I was, like, I looked it up and tried to make it work in some sort of public bathing situation. Doesn't exist in this time. I don't care. Well, I'm sure the Thames was very, very clean going through Paris. Very clean. The Thames is going through Paris. The Seine, the Thames, <laughs> the Danube, the, the Nile, the Amazon, whatever it is. The Thames are, these are the Thames of our lives. Well, if you want to make a Paris reference and a joke about the Thames, you have to say it was the best of Thames, it was the worst oh, of Thames. Oh, no. As that's one of the two cities from A Tale of Two Cities. Paris is one of the two cities. I haven't read it. It is. It's a good book. What's the other city? Uh, Probably London, but I'm not sure. Anyway. uh, Yeah, there's a Madame Defarge. That's what I know about Tale of Two Cities. Anyway. That's important right now. had to point out that I know that they don't exist in this time, and I don't care. Well, in this world... The Parisians had resurrected the long-defunct Roman tradition, and several public bathhouses had popped up all over the city in the last few years. Yeah, I just, like, set it back 200 years. Like, that did happen, but not for another 200 years. Nice. But I don't care. The wide, crowded thoroughfare petered out into a much smaller, shadier, emptier side street, and Anthony was able to take a breath. He thought the quiet and the deep inhalation would help clear his mind, but he felt like he'd sawed off a vital part of himself. He'd never felt so adrift before. With Henry gone and his taking charge of a crew and his own mission without his trusted mentor, he felt some sense of betrayal. He knew that this was nonsense, that Henry would have wished nothing more for him than an honest living doing something he enjoyed and was genuinely good at and a true partner by his side. After this last thought struck Anthony, he realized that Agatha was somehow starting to coalesce in his mind as such a partner. Somehow, 
Amidst all her deception and hoodwinkery, the words are... <laughs> I is, couldn't... Re I didn't care. I was no. like, this doesn't exist. I don't give a fuck. No, that's <laughs> a great word. It doesn't. It's not real, though. It's as... I had to put a hyphen in it. No, uh, I don't didn't see I? a hyphen. Oh, no, I no. didn't. It is a real word. Fuck. I mean, it doesn't matter if... <laughs> If it's a neologism, it's still fine. What's a neologism? A newly created word. Oh, really? Yeah. You think I'm just like... There's no such thing as a non-existent word. There's right. just words that are known in neologisms. I think it's a neologism. Well, you Do you have fucking, your spell check turned off? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, you nailed it, and I will continue. She'd become integral to him in a way that he'd never felt before. He'd barely left her side a half an hour ago, and yet, here he was, wondering if she was safe, wondering if she'd come back to him after sampling some of the Parisian wares, as it were, <laughs> wondering how their relationship would move forward after this mission. Hell, wondering if there would be a relationship at all. Somehow, this journey had turned from an honest, well, honest adjacent, directive from the king to a much more deeply ingrained decree from his body and his own mind. He ran his hand through his hair yet another time, once again becoming disgusted with his state. It was also in that moment that he realized he'd been wandering down this little avenue far... Oh, sorry. He'd been wandering down this little avenue for rather longer than was necessary, seeing as how his erstwhile crew wasn't in sight. He turned to trudge back down the lane and go down yet another street, glancing at the street signs as he passed. Whoever had designed this odd wheel-shaped pattern for the streets of Paris clearly didn't have his exact best interests at heart. He stumbled back to the original square and noticed a sign in English that he'd missed before. He made his way toward it, hoping that his crew had done much the same pig-headed thing he was doing now, and had made their way to the closest thing that was remotely familiar and comforting. You know what's sort of near Notre Dame in real life is what? the um, uh, Shakespeare and Company bookstore. Yeah, but how long has it been there? Um, a slightly shorter time than the bathhouses in Paris. So <laughs> Fair you, enough. You could Fair have enough. just pulled that one back. I mean, Shakespeare had already had been dead right, for 70-some years. I do think, though, I mean, as much as his crew is amazing and whatever i don't know how like erudite they are oh that's a great bookstore anyway i mean yeah i love it too but i'm not sure they're in in, in fact looking for a bookstore fine <laughs> you might be right just saying the english sign ended up to be for a tavern notably called the donkey's tale t-a-l-e dear listeners I thought that was fun, considering all of your donkey talk last time. Oh, that's right. And tail for obvious been reasons. The mutating donkey. Yeah, but like that's a little too long. I think those old timey English tavern names are so fun, like the horse and hare and whatever. Mm-hmm. I like the uh, dragon slayer. Whatever. No, that's a bad example. Yeah. I mean, my favorite example is from fiction, of course, in Tessa Dare's uh, Spindle Cove series. Yes. The Bull and Blossom. Yeah, that one's good. Anyway. <laughs> the Donkey's Tale isn't good except for the spelling of tail makes it slightly more interesting, I think. Indeed. But, you know. It, 
sorry. Being an audio medium, not quite as impressive. Well, they're going to love it when they read it. It looked shabby from the outside, which he would knew would appeal even more to the men. He fumbled with the door and made his way in. Upon entry, it appeared to be well past dark, even though it was before lunch outside. It was shabby, and the single storefront window had been covered over with a threadbare but effective curtain. He heard a large guffaw from the one filled table in the room and knew it to be Jack. He thanked whatever spirit had guided him here and made his way toward the table to yell at his men once again. After which, he decided, he would find a well-earned scrub at a bathhouse. He could do better than a scrub. A scrub is a man who's getting no love from him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. If I hadn't written this so hastily, I might have caught it, but there was no way. That's all right. I mean, I, I... I question his choices, but he has every right to find a scrub given what Agatha's off doing. Um, Oh, just wait. Anthony made his way up to the table. Only Charlie caught sight of him, his eyes widening at the thunderous expression on Anthony's face. What the devil is this? He nearly shouted. Luckily, the tavern was empty, save for one buxom barmaid, studiously ignoring all the goings-on of the men focusing solely on scrubbing down a patch of the bar that looked exactly as clean or as dirty as the rest of the long planks surrounding her. In addition to Charlie, three pairs of eyes turned toward him. For a second, there was utter silence, and then Jack, Charlie, and Dunley all started talking at once. Lobo, the smartest of the lot, didn't try to speak. Enough, Anthony said, his voice containing a multitude of menace in the single word. They all shut up immediately. He didn't really care what had brought them here. He thought he knew. Where are our mules and our supplies? He asked the group, dangerously. This time, it seemed, Lobo had been designated as the speaker. Well, Captain, he inlaid the word Captain with as much disdain as he can muster, which was quite a lot considering it was Lobo. He almost rolled his eyes. If he had, Anthony would have clawed them out of his head. He continued. We managed to find a buyer for all the bulky goods and most of the rubies at a stellar price, paid a boy off to watch our mules, which are parked in the alley behind this tavern, and we've just been sat here having a wee dram. He drawled in one long runoff sentence. Not a... (laughs) Run on? I mean, it was supposed to be. Adding adding a Scottish lilt just to enhance the insubordinate tone of this whole little speech he was telling. And we've just been sat here having a wee dram. Yeah, he's just being an ass, right? I mean... I I just wanted to flex uh, my Scottish accent. Even though it is arguably the most amazing Scottish accent ever. Yeah, that's, that's like, you know... Throwing a ball to Steph Curry just inside half court and expecting him not to take the shot. Ah. Anyway. Are you Steph Curry in this scenario? Fine, Anthony bit out. (laughs) What's next on the agenda then, since you seem to have it all figured out? He asked his pack of idiots. Well, said Lobo, drying out the single word with as much rancor as possible. 
We thought we'd wait here for further directives from our mighty captain. We overheard you telling Agatha to meet her back in the square. He gestured outside. Some of Anthony's unease left, but he was still mighty annoyed with a lot of them. Fine, he said, trying to infuse the single word with as much meaning as he could. Stay here, he ordered. The men looked a bit chastised, but would obviously do as bid. I'm off to find a bathhouse, he said, and left. Back in the square, he noticed a French sign pointing the way. He found the place easily, gave them a coin, and entered. There was a men's side and a women's side. The house didn't look to be the best or the worst, but merely middle of the road. It would do quite nicely for Anthony's purposes. He got undressed and sunk into a hot pool of water, not noticing that a man was staring at him from across the way until he'd taken several deep breaths and some of his tension had eased. He knew that bathhouses were rift with certain types of attention and would normally pay the man no mind. Did he mean rife? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, they're rift too. I mean... Listen, the last, like, whatever. I did a pretty decent job on the first one-third of this. The middle section, not so bad. The last, like, I don't know, 200 words are... That's all right. That last... I just had to get it together quick. It's coming. It's going great. And that last sentence was rift for his pleasure. I'm going to rift you. (laughs) He was only there to get clean, but he figured that if Agatha could ply her wares, as it were, he could also, and perhaps, be able to glean some useful information from this man, especially in this rather compromising scenario. Making a mental note to tease Agatha about being such an interesting influence on him, he started toward the man that had been making eyes on him. Oh, God. That had been making eyes at him. That was your fault. Absolutely. I was I was like a receiver who like had the ball coming toward him but already started looking downfield and flubbed the catch because mm. I was so excited at what happens after this end of chapter. Yeah. I'm going to write a chapter. You you are. That's that's how this works. Agatha and Anthony are going to sit there with Probably over some port and maybe even cigars. Amazing. Shale shale tears or (laughs) share tales of their assorted exploits. Well, hopefully both of them will get like some useful information so they can be rid of this French monstrosity as soon as possible. It's going to be great. And the only person more exciting. Sorry. the The only person more excited than me. Is every single listener we have on tenterhooks waiting for the next chapter of Romantic Underpinnings? Why are you saying it like that? I'm (laughs) just trying to bring out the inherent drama in this situation. I see. And the tension of waiting an entire week to hear what will happen. Yeah, I will also just make a note. Um, I don't really, I didn't go so far as to like look up what a Roman bathhouse in Paris would have looked like. So I based 
this bathhouse off of my experiences in China where like bathhouses are common. But I have no idea if this is actually how they work. Also, it needs like quite a bit more description and some other things in this, but whatever, you get the idea for you, right now. You nailed it, Ashton. Everyone agrees because they're rating this podcast five stars and leaving ah, nice reviews. They are. Thank yeah. you so much, everyone. I know. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. But alas, we must leave you. Yeah, sorry for the truncated episode this week. Um, It's been kind of a crazy week work-wise. So hopefully this episode makes your work week or whatever you're doing, your leisure week, go by faster. It will. And bye, everyone. I forgot my line. Languidly? Languidly. I All I could think of was adoringly. Languidly, 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 languidly. Life is but a dream. Anyway, say it. Adoringly yours. Say it into the mic. Adoringly yours. I'm talking to you, though. Fair enough. My intrepid co-host. All right.